For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. On to Friday edition of Birds 365, your Mac and Mac guys ready to hang. Jody McDonald, along with my partner, John McMullen. Are you ready to ball today, McMullen? Ready to ball. Love ball. You know that, Jody. What week is this? You're the official bookkeeper of well, Birds 365. Me, me thinks it's week five, which would make this show 25. Yeah. So we got a uh, quarter of 100 in. That's actually pretty good. And oh, by the way, we're both still working. Yeah. They haven't fired been, either one of us. It's been a success so far. That's all you can ask for. And that's because... We love the game, Jody. We love the game, and we love our boss. And if we didn't, well, then we might not continue doing the show for week number six. Uh, <laughs> but we do love our boss. As a matter of fact, we've got our boss ready to join us. The executive producer of Jacob Media Channel is Joe Krause. And I have not had the pleasure. Well, I worked with Krause for years over at 97.5 when it was just 9.50 a.m., but I've never been uh, part of a Jacob Media giveaway, which is going to hit the airwaves next week. Krause with the Kanga hat on. Here to talk just briefly about what's going to be a great giveaway next week. Yeah, give us the details on this. We are Birds 365. We are Eagles dominated. And we're hoping that the newest Eagles first round draft pick, Devonta Smith, does just that. Dominates for the Eagles next year. And we want to give all those Birds fans out there a chance to uh, show their uh, love for Devonta Smith as the new major weapon in the quiver of new coach Nick Sirianni. Well, born out of our 45-plus hours of live coverage uh, during the NFL draft, we uh, decided to launch or, or put together and give away 10 Devonte Smith jerseys, selected number, uh, selected 10th in the first round of the 2021 uh, NFL draft. Uh, so we'll do that on Wednesday night, which is the official 2021 release of the NFL schedule, Jody and John, uh, and we will be there live four hours of live coverage uh, getting underway at 8 p.m. We'll roll up to midnight, and during that four-hour window, uh, at, at a minimum, 10 jerseys plus – Minimum 10, Johnny Mac, uh, plus uh, we have an additional two uh, that will update people on come leading up to Wednesday and a very special pair to give away at the end of Wednesday night's broadcast in honor of the schedule. No, I'm just, uh, and I don't have any inside information here. That's what they do. They keep me out of the loop for most. Just shut up and talk, McDonald. <laughs> um, so I don't know what Count Krause is referring to by saying a special pair. Would I be on point guessing that it might have to do with a signature or something like that? You think you can get Spe this thing signed ahead of time? Special pair, jo uh, Jody Mack, uh, NFL schedule release for all of the teams. We'll have a pair of tickets oh, to tickets. give away 
for the home opener. The home opener. Very nice. 2021 home opener. We'll have a pair of tickets to give away, and we'll give that away at the end of our coverage of the schedule of release. And, of course, Johnny Mac, you know this, must be present to win, in this, per- present in, to win. in this particular case, must be present on the live stream. Yeah, and, and by the way, the good thing, Krause, all across the league, you're seeing teams confirm they're going to have full stadiums come September. So Lincoln Financial Field should be packed. Yeah, looking forward to doing it, uh, enjoying Birds 365. Uh, one last reminder to all of uh, your subscribers and those subscribing across the Jacob Media channel. Subscribe, like, share, tweet, follow and as you do that the mechanism that we have set up for selecting the winners you will get additional opportunity you'll get additional chances into the hopper Uh, and again it's going to be a great night Uh, 10 jerseys two specials and a pair of tickets to the home opener very nice, uh, and almost as nice as the Kanga had. So ah, this, I love it. This, this means we won't see this one for at least two months since uh, two months, 175 of them. Two years, Jody. <laughs> this guy's got like 500 of these things. Well, I could tell you this this is speci- this hat is specific to the, my appearance on Birds 365. A little bit later on, I'll be on the middle, uh, with uh, Barrett and Harry and Aton, uh rocking a different Kango. And then this afternoon uh, on the National Football Show with Dan Silio, which, by the way, uh, on Wednesday the 12th, leading into our coverage, the National Football Show from 4 to 6, a special guest from the league office uh, on Wednesday the 12th uh, for the National Football Show with Dan Silio. Very cool. And, uh, yes, uh, that means that we'll see three different Kanga hats out of Krause today. Uh, stay tuned for the uh, upcoming shows here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel because hey, Krause just uh, will keep you guessing with uh, what hat he'll be wearing. Thanks, and jo- Krause. And, Jody, before they zip me out of here, let me say our, our entire, our entire uh, coverage of the NFL schedule release all presented by Pure Bull, one of our new partners coming on board. You'll hear a lot more about Pure Bull uh, on Wednesday. Uh, I leave you with this term, Johnny Mac. What is Huckenfot? Who? What <laughs> is what is Huckenfot? Huckenfot. I'm going to have to do some research on I'll, that. I'll, I'll, You're not I'll wait, in the dark. I'll wait for the answer. Thanks, guys. So he wants us to do a two-hour show while looking up things like Huck and Fott. Yeah. Uh, I got to figure out how to spell it first. That would would be a good start. Yeah, Yeah. Google's a real nice thing to have, but you got to actually be able to spell what you're looking for. And, oh, by the way, Pure Bull, I I thought that was a reference to me and what I do here on the show every day (laughs) for two full hours. But somehow we'll get through the Pure Bull of today's show. All right, then we'll start here, Johnny Mac. I love putting your feet to the fire. Uh, you got a one and eight shot here. <laughs> the Eagles home opener this year will be against. No, we know the eight teams they're going to be playing, but uh, we don't know which one is going to be selected as the first one to be played at Lincoln Financial Field. Take a one and eight shot for me. Well, it's not going to be the Dallas Cowboys because they probably want to hold that. It's usually, you know how they usually do this thing, Jody. It's usually division games early, division games late. Right. 
Unfortunately, I think Dallas is too popular. America's team, yada, yada, yada. So they want to save that kind of stuff. Hope the Eagles are better than expected, maybe for a flex game late, a little bit later. New York Giants, they did Washington last year. So I'm going to go New York Giants. Oh, you are so on point. Uh, and there's a... And and I think the NFL really does take this into consideration. We in the media thereafter, as soon as we learn these things, have to come up with our own storylines and narratives. But there's one that kind of writes itself if they open up with the New York Giants. The matchup with the teams that uh, the Eagles, who kept the Giants out of the playoffs yeah. last year by losing the final week of the season to Washington Redskins, excuse me, the Washington football team, um, a uh, little chip on their shoulder because they could have backdoored their way into the playoffs last year. But uh, fantastic. Uh, Nate Sudfeld couldn't get the job done in the Unstoppable. second half. Unstoppable. Unstoppable Nate Sudfeld. Uh, yeah. Yes, I think that story kind of writes itself that the first game of the season may very well be the giant. And oh, by the way, yes, they do like to go early and, and late. Oftentimes, oh, I shouldn't say often, but uh, it does happen from time to time. You play the team in your division first game of the season, then you don't play them again till the last game of the season. Yeah, I like to open with the team, give them the entire season to play everybody else. It's like the game never existed before, even though it's in the same season. They're separated by so much. Wouldn't be surprised if that's the way the Eagles' schedule shakes out. Start the year against the Giants, finish the year against. Well, the they Giants. can't finish it because we go on the seventeen games, so. The things well, do. You have... got to finish it against somebody, right? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, the week seventeen. They that's a little. You know, are they adding that to the end of the schedule? They haven't been clear on that. I don't think they are. So no. when you talk about the Eagles Jets, um, and that week seventeen doesn't have to be in week seventeen. It right. could be anywhere on the schedule. But uh, we'll see how they shake this thing out. It's a little bit interesting because that extra game complicates matters. I mean, it's a difficult schedule to put together to begin with, and now you have to put in that extra game. It's, un, it's even more unbalanced than it typically is. It becomes more difficult because you have venues to worry about. The schedule-making process is a lot more difficult than people realize. You got, you know, everybody has that one stretch of their schedule they tend to be unhappy about. Maybe you get a three-game road trip, road trip or right. something like that, but it's not really a trip because you come back and forth, but you get what I'm saying. Um so nobody's ever happy, but it's a really difficult job. And that 17th game is going to make it even more difficult and a little bit more hinky than normal. It is not easy. I will give you that. But I will say this. It used to be even more difficult because you used to have shared stadiums. Yeah, not the as many. The baseball shared, team yeah. used to play in the same stadium with the football team. So September was a royal pain in the you-know-what because yeah. you had to worry about the baseball team having games there and turning yeah. over the stadium. That no longer exists. So all the no. football teams have their own stadium. All the baseball teams have their own stadium. There is no sharing of stadiums. So it actually used to be more difficult. But the, doing it these days, it's no walk in the park either. So I give the NFL a lot of credit for it. And, yes, you're right. They have not said anything. But my immediate assumption was, well, they'll just interject the Game 17 game into the schedule. as Yeah, you're right. It. I but think yes, that's what's going to happen. But I'm not completely sure yet and that's why by the way the schedule used to come out mid-april eh, somewhere in that range now they pushed it back all the way into may 
you know, part of it is pomp and circumstance. Part of it is to to put it, uh, you know, a standalone event. But part of it is is because it's a bear and it takes longer. You sure about that? I I don't even know if that's the case. I think your first two explanations were more on point than it. Uh, they no, want to well, have it. I'm not saying they're pushing back three weeks because they need the time to figure out the schedule. But it is more difficult. It, 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 the, the bigger reason, the far bigger reason is the standalone event to make it an Correct. event, which Joe Krause just did for us uh, with the Devontae Smith giveaway. So everybody does it. We're going to play the win and loss game. You know that, Jody. Uh, Eagles are going to be 7-10 and 10 on May 12th, May 13th. And, you know, it's meaningless, but it's fun. Is that off the It's like a head? mock draft. That is off the top of your head, seven and ten before you ever get to see him. No, I'm gonna down. go. I'm I'm gonna throw a curveball at you. I'm saying that's oh. potentially my, what I might okay. speculate. Yeah. Now that I said it, you can guarantee I'm not gonna say seven and ten. I, and I can pretty much guarantee you ahead of time I'm not gonna go seventeen and zero. Um, I, I don't want to completely discount it as a possibility, but it's you can probably, do that. You can probably probably not gonna come back seventeen and zero. Um, a buddy of mine one year said. He thought the Eagles were going to win every single game, including all their preseason games. So they were going to go 18 and 0, or uh, excuse me, 20 and 0. Uh, and then, of course, the two playoff games would get them to 22. And then yeah. 21 and 0. Yes, that's exactly what the Eagles are going to go this upcoming year with uh, the schedule. We'll have fun with it. Next week will be fun. And the giveaway should be great. So, those of you watching on the Jacob Media YouTube channel, Make sure you are back here next Wednesday night uh, for your chance to get a new, be the first kid on your block with a new Devontae Smith uh, jersey that we'll be giving away uh, next week here and a pair of tickets to the Eagles opener. All right, we got some stuff to talk about before we get to the opener. Before we get balling, uh, I told you before the show started, JM, I really liked your column yesterday uh, about the Eagles and maybe a an attitude they took into their first NFL draft. We know Nick Sirianni is a guy who is just an emotional uh, individual when it comes to coaching and talking about playing football. He loves the ball, and they seem to be looking for those type of players with the moves they've made during this offseason. Certainly the draft and the undrafted free agents they've signed thereafter. They want guys who just display that love for football and in your column, you suggested this could be a really good way for the Eagles to build a new culture with a new group that they've got running the show. Yeah, and, and by the way, Jody, I don't think it's only the Eagles. I think this is sort of the secret uh, equation most NFL teams go to for a reason. And, you know, Chris Landry was on our show, and he gave me the idea for the column because when he was on with us, he basically said the dirty little secret, the ugly secret, uh, that fans don't know is that most players don't love to play football. It's hard to play football. It's a grind to play football. It is a very difficult sport on your body. Um, we know all the potential repercussions later in life from playing this game. It ain't fun uh, to get ready to play football. I think everybody, you know, practice is grueling, even though it's been scaled back. To keep yourself in shape to play at a high level throughout the entire year is an absolute grind for these guys. Uh, A lot of them, you know, would rather play professional basketball for for many reasons. If you think about, you know, 
I always say, Jody, the most popular sport in this country by far is professional football. But if you talk about the most popular athletes, you never put up the best players in football. Even the Patrick Mahomeses of the world, the Tom Brady's, they're never up with LeBron James. They're never up with Michael Jordan. Those are the most popular athletes in the world. A lot of it is you got a helmet on on Sundays. You you know the NBA has always marketed players that the NFL markets teams, which I think is smart, by the way, from the league's perspective. But nonetheless, you know these kids grow up; they want to play in the NBA, or maybe they want to play in Major League Baseball. I always use Jeff Samarja as the perfect example of this. I've used it on the show. A lot of people forget he was a great wide receiver in college at Notre Dame. He was a potential first-round pick. He also had a 95-mile-an-hour fastball. And he also had Major League Baseball teams snipping around him and thinking he was a big-time pitching prospect. Ended up making the Major Leagues incredibly average pitcher, Jody. Incredibly average if you look at his numbers. But he's lasted 13 years, and I looked it up. He's made $122 million. $122 million dollars and he's not you know don't get me wrong baseball's a grind too in a different type of way and you can have injuries but not like football not not your body i mean the fact that he's listed 13 he could have been a great receiver could have been a great receiver he wasn't lasting 13 years he wasn't coming out of it with 122 million dollars not even close. Yes, I think he'll be okay. I think his kids will be okay. I think his kids, kids, kids will be okay. Uh, the Samarjas did well for himself. And along those lines, I remember when Kyler Murray was drafted in yeah. the first round by the Oakland A's a couple of years ago. And then he announced, oh, by the way, I'm going back to play my last year of football. I said to myself, why? Yeah. You've got a chance to make it to the big leagues pretty quickly, start earning money, get the arbitration, free agency and the like. You want to delay that? What are you, crazy? You're a nice college quarterback, but shoot, you'd have to go number yeah. one overall to think you're going to make more money in the National Football League. And sure enough, he went number one overall. So I give him a ton of credit for at least giving himself those options, but those are few and far between. So your point yeah. about baseball is – well taken in basketball that it's it's easier uh, on the body the toll that it takes. But if you're balling <laughs> and you're committed to it, yes, you've got a chance to have a very nice career. Oh, in the sure. Either league. way. And that's what Chris Landry was saying. A lot of these guys, you know, are told because of their physical gifts, maybe, you know, basketball is not in your future. Shift to football. You have a chance. Maybe you're too big to play basketball. Uh, maybe you have to be an offensive lineman. We're going to have Barrett Brooks in, the, in a second. You know, Devontae Smith was a great basketball player in high school. He was told you prob- you're probably going to be too small. You got to go in a different direction. So what Chris was trying to say, a lot of these guys, this is their path to having a great life, and they can have a great life. But if you don't love the game and that adversity strikes up, well, you're, you're going to walk away. You're not going to put in the time. And that's sort of the secret equation everybody's working on. So when you hear Nick Sirianni say, we want players that love ball, people take it very flippantly. He's being honest. It's really difficult because if you're in a job interview, Jody, you're not going to say, no, I, I'm, I'm doing this for the paycheck. I don't enjoy it. You know, everybody's going to lie to you. Right. So you got to try to figure out 
who really loves the game. And that makes it so much easier for you to project good players. And that's what Nick Sirianni was saying. It's right. not Coming easy. Coming up next here on Birds 365, John McMullen apologizes to Barrett Brooks for saying he was too big to choose basketball. I didn't say that, Barrett. You absolutely no, positively I said it. Some guys are just too big. We got Barrett Brooks coming up. Uh, John McMullen is going to explain why Barrett Brooks is either too Come big on. or hefty. You're I won't the use the word fat, but uh, this should be fun to listen to Johnny Mack explain why Barrett Brooks couldn't consider basketball as a future occupation. And then we'll talk football with Barrett Brooks next here on Birds 365. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. Good day, everyone. It's Krause of Jacob Media. Why am I wearing a Carson Wentz NFC East Pro Bowl jersey? Well, it's the only jersey I will not be able to give away this season, but we will be giving away 10 Devontae Smith jerseys at our 2021 NFL schedule release special broadcast, all presented by Pure Bowl. The broadcast will be Wednesday night, 8 p.m. to midnight. You must be subscribed. You must be present to win, and we'll give away 10 Devontae Smith jerseys. Also, as we get closer to the season, tickets for every single game on the schedule, both home and away, plus our bus trip and experiences for fans that you will never find anywhere else, all part of the Jacob Media Network. See you next time, everybody. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods, your vacation, your way. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Jody Mack. The legendary sports talker joins forces with NFL insider John McMullen. Start your morning with Johnny Mack and Jody Mack across the Jacob Media Network. A closing out week five, Friday edition of Birds 365. The Mac and Mac guys 
John McMullen, Jody McDonald with you. We've got another of our Jacob Media YouTube channel panel with us. We had, who was the former, uh, I'll let you do this, McMullen, because you're great at it. Former Eagle offensive lineman who went uh, via free agency last year. Very difficult uh, last Hala name. Halapulabati Baitai. One more time. Million, yes. How do you yeah. say that again? Halapulabati Baitai. I cut it down better than that. How about this? Fifty million dollar, fifty million dollar contract for five yeah. years. That's what I'm gonna say his name. Yeah. yeah. Appar apparently, he loves the ball, or at least his new team <laughs> believed that because uh, they gave him fifty million dollars. Yes, we called him Big B. I call our next guest Big B. Yeah, uh, it just makes it easier. Even though Barrett Brooks is pretty easy to say, he's Big B to me. But he might be too big, or at least that's what look at, John look, at, look at him playing Aton here, <laughs> trying to create trouble. I, I'm we're, just we don't saying, have I heard what I heard. Barrett, Barrett did you... heard what I said. Barrett I did. I, 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 I did hear. I did hear what it was. But I don't think. I don't think. Uh, I don't think he meant it that way. I don't no. Think oh no, that's that. exactly how I meant it. <laughs> Barrett, when was the last time you played basketball? Oh man, it had to be about three years ago. I played. Uh, I played some pickup games. With my daughter at the time, and um, after that game, I regretted every second for about three or four days. So yeah, you know, you don't play. I like I played for one year in college basketball uh, at Kansas State. I played you one did. year. Yeah, yeah. But well, Barrett, you you were around the NFL for a very long time, and you're still around, obviously, around the sport. You you know, guys play this sport at times because it's a way to make a lot of money. And no question, they might rather go in a different direction. The NBA, I talk about how they market, you know, stars um, versus uh, the NFL and also the money. The NBA players make more money because the rosters are smaller. Baseball players, it's not as difficult on your body. They make a ton of money. It's all guaranteed. Yep. You don't have to worry about staying healthy. This is not a secret around the league, is it? Well, you I mean, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, you guys put out some – some great, um, great names with that. I mean, think about Charlie Ward. Charlie yeah. Ward probably made fifty million dollars in his uh his twelve year NBA career, um, as a, as a backup quarterback in the league. You know, Charlie knew he wasn't going to play, uh, be a major star. So why would he go to a place where he could be a backup, guaranteed contract, play sparingly, yeah. and play for a longer time? You know, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So I mean, I understand what he means by you know players that love ball, but also knows a lot of players that love ball. And just can't play the game, so it's, yeah. it's, it's it's a balance. It's definitely a balance, you know. I'm, if you want a guy just want to play the game, I played with a guy back in college. He actually paid for his way through school. He yeah. was on a practice squad, and it was almost like a Rudy situation. That I told Ed Coach, told our head coach, Ed Coach, if we can't let Mike play, I'm 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 not. I'm, if he can't suit up this last game and get some reps, I'm <laughs> I'm not gonna suit up. You know, Coach Schneider was mad, but you know he eventually let him. And you know, kind of like Rudy, he went out there and. Played on special teams. He played linebacker, and you know he made a couple tackles on kickoff return, punt return. I mean, uh, kickoff. Yeah, and and, and by the way, Barrett Nick corrected himself. Nick Sirianni. He said, you know, he was talking love ball, high football IQ, competitive. You know, those are the things he wanted. And then he he circled back and he said, you got to have talent first. Yes. I have all those things, <laughs> but I can't play on Sunday. So he said. He did say talent comes first. So, but once you hit that sort of landmark and you have the talent to play in the league, then it becomes who wants it more. Oh, and does that mean I have to stop running? That means I have to stop running or lifting because I love <laughs> ball. So I was going, I was going to play for Nick. 
You know, yeah. I love ball. So I was definitely started running, lifting, trying to train mm-hmm. so I can get back on the team. Yeah, and oh, by the way, you got to be below 350 pounds, so that would count you out. So. All right, I'm yeah. out then. I'm out. Yeah, you're out. Barrett Brooks here with us on uh, Birds 365. All right, Barrett, I certainly wanted to ask you about the Eagles' second-round uh, draft pick this past week, Landon Dickerson, a guy who we have done nothing but debate back and forth, either uh, one of the smartest picks the Eagles ever made or just a reversal of what the Eagles usually do, which is be very careful when it comes to medical redshirt and the like. Uh, they kind of flipped the script by going with Leonard Dickerson where they did. I know that uh, in addition to not being a basketball player, you're also not a doctor. So even if you had seen the MRIs and the uh, like, you might not be able to diagnose it. But you have been a football player and you know what it's like to play through those type of injuries. Eagles make a smart move here, a good calculated risk, or what the hell were they thinking? You know, um, to be honest, I mean, I, I see the upside. I see what they were trying to do. You know, this kid, if he wasn't uh, danger prone, he would have been a top 10 pick. He's that good. I mean, he he has everything that you want from a player. Um, he, he's quick with his lateral movement. He can get his hands in there. He'll push guys around. He'll finish plays. He'll finish other guys while, you know, in, in, in pass protection. Running the ball, he's going to put a guy on his back. But that aggressive nature, that aggressive play also lends to him getting hurt a lot. And that's what a lot of dominant players go through. When you're that dominant you, and, and you're that explosive, you're going to hurt yourself a lot. And that just comes with the territory. You know, the human body was not really meant to play upright, you know, to walk upright, let alone run and hit guys at the, you know, the amount of force that you do. They say each time you hit a guy on the offensive line, it's equivalent to a 20-mile-an-hour car wreck. So, yeah, I understand, you know, the rigmaroles of being hurt at times with a physical play. But, I mean, <laughs> if he could stay healthy, if – and if if was 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 a fifth, then we all be drunk. And that's the problem. <laughs> they may be drunk, but looking at what he can do on the field. But at the end of the day, if they can keep him healthy, he's a great pick. If not, then, you know, we got danger-prone Daphne. You know, great-looking girl, but, you know, she's always hurting herself. Nope. Uh, oh, they, see, that's a Scooby-Doo reference, guys. Yeah. I, mean, I, I, no, I figured I you guys you. would know. I figured you guys would know Scooby-Doo. No, I got Scooby-Doo. <laughs> I, got, I, I was, I was still thinking about if, uh, if, if was a fifth because I'm going to steal that. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> I'm going to steal. I was still thinking about that, but I got your Scooby-Doo reference as well. Um, we've been talking about the biggest story in the NFL is obviously Aaron Rodgers being upset with the Green Bay Packers because they drafted Jordan Love. We just went through something similar with Carson Wentz and Jalen Hurts. And Carson Eagles, won. Yeah, well, yeah. But the Eagles just told Jason Kelsey or Brandon Brooks, you know, this is probably it for you. Am I reading yep. that wrong? How no, difficult is that? You spent over a decade in this league. How difficult is it in your waning years in Pittsburgh when they're bringing in somebody who's – they're bringing in to take your job and you're supposed to mentor him and make him better and be a leader and do all those things. Yeah, um, you're absolutely right. You know, I, I went through the same thing. I, they brought me in. I had finally fought my way into a position that I was going to play. And then they draft Max Starks. And Max Starks, you know, comes in. And, the you know, the guy that's already there, he's on his way out. And that's when I started taking my reps. And all of a sudden, I had to help this guy go in and take my position. And at the time, I was like, you know what? I, you know, I'm mad. I'm, I'm pissed off. I'll go up to uh, go go up to the to 
you know, talk to BC, you know, Kyle, like, look, man, you doing this and you doing this, you know, come on, how you going to do this to me? You know, I just worked my ass off. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to play. I'm going to go out there and play. He said, hey, Brooksy, well, he called me Porchop. Porchop, you know, I love you, bro. But yeah, this guy's the future. He's going to play. Do me a favor. Do me a solid. Mentor him. Get him ready to play. I promise you, I promise you, you'll be okay. Get him ready to play. Well, I took him at his word. I promised him, and I ended up staying on that team for three extra years because of it. Because, you know, I mean, at the time, you know, I was getting older. Like, it was my, you know, 11th, 10th, 11th, 12th year. And, you know, it was a point in my career where I'm not going to be a long-term solution. Max starts with a long-term solution. But he kept me around just to mentor this kid and mentor the other offensive linemen that came in, Chris Kimawatu, guys like that. Um, and – I got so good at it that he kept me around three extra years to get guys ready to play. And that's what I did. You know, uh, Big Trey, you know, all these guys I got ready to play. And then, you know, if it wasn't for my 12th year and I got hurt, I'd probably still be mentoring those guys. And I'd probably be a coach rather than being up with you guys right now. But, you know, I I, uh, I chose to go in a different direction. But, you know, yeah, that's that's what I did. So you got to understand you got to step out the way. But at the end of the day, it's a young man's sport. And, you know, you got to love ball. <laughs> <laughs> Let me follow along the line of uh, Johnny Mac's question. Uh, I remember doing a show with, I forget, oh, it's Barrett Brooks on uh, <laughs> WIP a couple of years ago at a local establishment in Philadelphia, a night yes. leading up to the holidays. And I asked Barrett about uh, Jason Peters, mm -hmm. who was getting a little long in the tooth. Little did we know it's going to go several more years afterwards. But he had had a little bit of a down year, and I asked Barrett, Listen, do you think the Eagles would say, yes, we know there's a contract in place, Jason, but we don't think you're quite worth what we're supposed to pay you. We'd like to renegotiate the deal and bring it down a little bit. If not, we might have to think about severing ties and let you go. Barrett interrupted me and said, yeah, I dare the Eagles to let him go. Right. There's no way they're going <laughs> to let him go. There's no way they're going to ask him to renegotiate because he's going to go, no, I like my contract. You want to let me go free agent? Please tell me. Let me get my agent on the phone. Thank you very much. I said, you sure about this? He said, Jody, take my word. There's no way. Jason Peters will be back and under the contract that he's scheduled to play for. So a lot of the moves along the offensive line, and next year, as John mentioned, it could be Barrett Brooks, could be Jason Kelsey. Sometimes you go ahead and you use that thread of, well, we're not going to honor the contract. We're going to move on. And the players just call the team's bluff, uh, even though we may think it's something that's going to happen. Doesn't always work that way. Right. And and the players we're talking about, Kelsey and Brandon, are, are guys that are perennials on this offensive line, uh, pro bowlers. And, I mean, I think Brandon Brooks graded out the best player when he was playing um, yeah. in the NFL as far as linemen. You know, it's not like he you – know, the best – Ability is availability, and that's what you know. That's what the Eagles lack right now with the right side, and they're not. You know, they're not always in the game. They're always hurt. So I mean, I, I, I take it that the Eagles understand that. That's why they're bringing in guys to replace these guys. But they understand that Kelsey will play. Kelsey will be in there just as long as they keep paying him. And Kelsey, we see him. You know, halfway through the season, he's held together by duct tape and and, and bubble gum. I mean, yeah. he might have a paper clip over here just keeping his bones from hanging out, but he's still going to play. I mean, I thought he was out that Dallas game. Hyperextended elbow. Oh, everybody kick. did. Yeah. I thought he was out for the season. <laughs> Me too. And he, he ended up coming back and playing, finishing yeah. the game. He, he missed one play because it was <laughs> at the end of the half. He missed one play 
He come comes out the second half. He's out there. He's unbelievable. I mean, all this all this tape on his arms and, and yeah. continue to play. Yeah, and he couldn't even extend his arm. Uh, <laughs> unbelievable player. You mentioned Jason Peters. I mean, Jason was a great mentor. We just mentioned him. Halapula Bati Bati, the Super Bowl season. Yep. He would coach up. He was like an extra coach uh, for Jeff Stoutland, trying to get Bati ready to get through the Super Bowl. You know, but that's a future Hall of Famer. Jason could be in that mode. Brandon plays at that level. He's had probably too many injuries, but you're right. These guys are so good. Maybe it's a little bit easier for them. Uh, to mentor younger players than if it's, uh, you know, I don't want to say Isaac Samala because Isaac's a really good player, but he's not at their level. So is it more difficult for guys that are just sort of, you know, good players, but not Hall of Fame level players? And then all of a sudden, wow, there's a first round or a second round pick coming in. Well, the, the difference is, you know, they, they see the production that these guys had when they're on the field. And that production is so great that even the younger guys looking at their performances on the field are, are gathering information, looking at them, trying to play like them. It's hard to really kick those eyes out of system uh, out the system if they're playing at such a high level still. I mean, it, it's not just them saying what they're going to say, but it's the guys around them. It's the quarterback going into the to the. Um, to the, to the coach's office, hey, we got to have him. You know, it's not just Stoutland saying, I love this guy. It's, it's the, you know, the, when the quarterback coach and the quarterback going, we got to have Kelsey there. Well, I got to have Brandon Brooks there. Then it's hard for Howie then to say, all right, well, we're just going <clears> to <throat> let this guy come in and play. I mean, that's, that, I mean, that's basically what it is. These guys understand if you play at a high level, they understand that their market value is going to be up there. And, and and to tell you the truth, Brandon Brooks won't have – he won't be – he won't clear waivers. I, I guarantee – that after the four-hour waivers goes, he will be on the team. He'll have five different contracts sitting in his email before that for the uh, the four-hour period goes off, wanting to sign him. Because at this point, offensive linemen are a luxury that a lot of teams can't afford to have. I, I guarantee the Cincinnati Bengals will be knocking the door down trying to get either one of their services. So, you know, they're not worried about a contract necessarily now. Because, you know, this injury is something that they're going to come back from. <clears throat> He's going to come back from. And we saw that, you know, Brandon probably could have played the ending part of last year. He probably could have played. But they chose not to, you know, since the season went the way it went, they chose not to play him. That's why they didn't put him on IR for an elongated period of time. He he was he could have been in the lineup playing at the end of the year if they were worth their salt during the season last year. But since they weren't, why bring him back? Hey, Jody, real quick, let me follow up before sure. you jump in. You mentioned Cincinnati. I thought that was interesting. Your draft coverage on Jacob Media was so successful, Barrett. <laughs> they need offensive linemen too successful, but we'll talk about that off the <laughs> but, um Why not draft Panay Sewell? You know, I realize you want to get Joe Burrow, reunite him with a friend. That's great. That's awesome. They were great together in college. Chase is a phenomenal player. But the best thing for him is to keep him upright. Why not take the stinking left tackle and have him there for a decade? You know, I understand, you know, what they saw in, in, in Chase, you know, and, you know, Jamar, he, he, I mean, he took advantage of this being out for a, a season and not playing and got his body in the most optimal shape, the best shape I've ever seen, you know, a guy get into going into his draft um, workouts. And I didn't understand why they didn't go get Penne. I mean, I look at Penne and the way he moves, how fluid he moves, um, the way he, you know, 
he plays with power reminds me a lot of 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 a of, of former Cincinnati Bengal that played there at the left tackle position for a long time. Probably one of the best offensive linemen to ever play. And you know, I I, I didn't quite understand you know why they didn't go out and, and, and get Penny Sewell. You know, um, what was his name? Oh my goodness, Anthony, Anthony Munoz. Munoz yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, it reminds me a lot of Anthony Munoz, his body build, how he moves. I mean, Anthony Munoz was a dominant player. Now, not saying he's there right now, but he moves and 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 reacts and 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 I mean, just watch some old clips of Anthony Munoz, and you'll see a lot of Penny Sewell that you could see. You know the way he he does things. I didn't understand it, you know, and and, and you know if you, if you future Hall of Famer and future Hall of Famer. A guy that can help the team a lot. A guy that can team help the team a lot. A guy that can keep my quarterback safe for a long time. A guy that can get my quarterback out of trouble with with long catches. That's really a tough, you know, a really a tough direction to go. Which way you go? They chose to go with, you know, the weapon. I would have definitely went with Penny Sewell because he's going to be there for a long time and he's going to play at a high level for a long. This kid is only he, he's just turning twenty years old. I mean, he I, I mean, he barely has hair on his chest. Barely has hair on his chin. And he's going to be protecting at a high level for a very long time. I wouldn't have went in that direction. And the ironic thing about it was both of them opted out this past year. Sometimes exactly. you use that as a tiebreaker. <laughs> oh, he no. didn't play last year. I got to go back 14 months to look at tape. Well, it's the same thing for both guys. Yeah. Yep. It was very yep. interesting, this Cincinnati decision. And we'll see how it plays out. I think it was win-win. I'm with you, Barrett, that uh, both have a chance to be uh, perennial Pro Bowl type players. We'll see. I got one more Eagles offensive lineman question for you. Um, a guy who got a chance to probably play more year one in the league than he thought he was going to because of all the injuries that the Eagles had ac across the offensive line was Jake Driscoll. And uh, to me, he looked okay <laughs> for a rookie, for a day three draft pick to go in, be thrown into the fire and hold his own, that's how I would describe his level of play last year, was holding his own. If things go right for the Eagles this year, he never sees the field. He's going to be a backup guy. If everybody's healthy, he's not going to get in there. How does his future go from there? As a rookie, you play unexpectedly, play more than you thought you were going to get the chance, flash a little bit, not dominate. Oh, my God, we've got to create an offensive starting line position for him. But held his own, and now year two, we might see less. We're probably, we hope we're going to see less of him, and then down the road, we hope he develops and becomes a starter for them. How does that work with Jake Driscoll? How difficult is it going to be for him that he actually plays less in his second year than his first year if everything goes right? Well, you know, Jake will be one of those guys that plays a 12-year NFL career and hopefully wins a ring like this other guy that played for – you know, got drafted back in 1995 mm -hmm. with the Eagles, you know, play a long mm -hmm. time. Second half of his career, I started my first six years and my last six years, I rode the bench. I played for a long time because I didn't have to play on Sundays and he could be that same guy, you know, functional enough to go out there and hold his own, play at a high level, but they just don't start him. It's just the real, realization of being in the NFL. You know, some guy, once you get labeled as a, a backup, it kind of is a stigma that stays with you, even though yeah. you can play and start. And I think Driscoll's at that point, you know, well, he will be a guy that could be very functional, go out there, don't have to worry about him. He can go in and play any position. And if he's smart, he learns the rest of the positions. He learns guard, center. And, 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 and you know, once you become one of those guys, 
you can play forever, man. And not to get beat up, but you can play forever. So hopefully he uses this as a as as, as a as a you know jump start into a career where he could play a long, long time. You know, you want to play, you'd be mad as hell if you're not playing, but at least you're out there, you know, and you have the opportunity if called upon to play. By the way, poor poor Jack Jerskill. BG called him Jake, I think, on his first interview. <laughs> Everybody still calls him Jake. Poor, yeah. It is Jack Driscoll. But I, I will say, so I want to make that. Now, Barrett, Barrett's an offensive lineman, so I love talking offensive line. But he knows everything about this team. So I look at this draft, Barrett, and there's one glaring you know, still weakness as, as we come out of this. Where the heck is the talent on the back seven of this defense, particularly outside corner? It, it's just not good enough right now. No, it's not, and, and you know, especially with how this, how this, um, how this this division went out there, and and each one of these teams went and bolstered their 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 wide receiver positions. I mean, Dallas has three good wide receivers. Hell, at this point, the Giants have four good wide receivers. You know. When they went out, they went out and you know spent a mint on free agency. I mean, they got they got guys that can come in and store for just anybody. And we didn't go anywhere to reassure how to defend these guys. So I I just gotta I gotta bring my thumbs as I watch the game because on <laughs> third down, I'm gonna be sick the entire year on third down. Who do we have opposite of Slay? Who we have, we need somebody to even go against a number two wide receiver, let alone a number one wide receiver. We have nobody at this point. Craig James, Avani Craig James. Right now, you would say Craig James would be penciled in as a starter. And yep, then on Zach McPherson would be pushing him, a fourth round pick. Zach. I mean, that's not good enough. Zach McPherson. Zach. No, we, it, it's spelled Zach, but it's yep. it's pronounced Zach. Yep. It's and you know what? Zach. Well, the it's, only re- it's like Jack. It's pronounced Jake. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The only reason I saw him and, and broke down tape on him is I was watching uh, my alma mater, and they have a kid actually from Pennsylvania that I was checking out. You know, and that's that's how I saw him. I'm, I'm watching film on him on on, on Kansas State, and they're playing, um, they're playing um, the you know the Texas Tech. And as I'm watching it, I'm watching one of the better receivers on Kansas State's team, and I'm looking at Zach, Zach and I'm like. This kid's pretty good. He was rerouting um, the wide receiver. He was playing aggressive. I'm like, oh, this kid's all right. You know, so I watched a little more tape on him. That's the only reason why I saw this kid play. And then I did a little research on him, you know, went to Penn State, decided yeah. to leave Penn State. So he has the skill set and size, you know, 5'11", uh, you know. But is he going to be a guy to go out there and go one-on-one against Amari Cooper? Oof. I tend to think Oof. not. You know, I tend to think he's not going to get on the field this year. Unless they have to, and they might have to at this point, but to wait till the fourth round to draft, and you can't bring in any free agents, it's going to be terrible on third down the entire season. All right, Barrett, I want to jump back to the draft for a second because uh, we know the Eagles' first round pick was Devonta Smith, the kid who I I've loved for two years. I'm really excited to watch him play this year. Uh, but we started the show talking about attitude and love and ball and the like. Let me ask you about the relationship between offensive linemen and wide receivers. We know offensive linemen get their props from their quarterback. The prop, uh, the quarterback gets it. If I'm not getting protected up front, I'm a dead man. Uh, running backs, no. If you don't open a, a hole for him, he's not going to be able to get through. He's not going to be able to get yards. He's not going to be able to make money. They get it. 
tight ends are almost one of you. They stand next to you and they got to get involved with getting pounded in the blocking. Wide receivers are kind of out there. They're out there on the island and they do their own thing. So they might not quite get exactly what you're going through down in and down out. Over your 12-year playing career, did you have one wide receiver who got it? who after he made a big play, after the, the, the quarterback got flushed out of the pocket and he needed that extended time to get open, he'd come back and go, yo, bro, thanks. You guys, you guys helped me make that guy. And did you have one guy who, no matter how much you held up the pocket for the quarterback, never acknowledged you guys? Just, it's me, baby. I made the catch. I made the play. A great play by me. Just didn't have any idea that you were part of his ability to catch the ball downfield. Give me the guy who got it and give me the guy who didn't get what you guys meant to his capability to catch the ball down the field. I had two guys really that helped that, that, that were like, look, guys, I need you guys to help me. One was my rookie year. I had Calvin Williams. Calvin Williams said, hey, I just need one more second to get open. You guys got to give me just a little bit more, just a little bit more. Anton, give me a little bit more, please. Hey, hey, coach, send a tight end over to Anton's side so we can get a little bit more. I'm guaranteed to get open. You give me one more second. Calvin was that guy. Another guy that used to do that was, um, you know, I, I, I mean, he was one. Let me tell you something. If, if, if you look at a guy that's slow as pond water but could get open, is Heinz Ward. Heinz didn't have two ACs. You know, his ACLs were gone. He played without ACLs. But he was he be like, hey, man, just give me two more seconds. I'm like, yeah, right. You need more than two more seconds, Heinz. But he would eventually get open, and he would always come back and congratulate us all the time. A uh, guy that, you know, was like, you know, would never is Herman Moore. Moore really? never, never acknowledged anybody but himself. <laughs> Charlie Bass used to get it all the time. He's like, Herman. That was a great pass, man. Come on now. <laughs> you see these hands? You see these hands, Charlie? <laughs> that was Herman Moore, man. That's, that's what right. it was, man. But two guys, like I said, you know, Calvin, you know, and he wasn't a speed guy. So, you know, it's usually the guys that don't run as fast. So Calvin and, and the Hines, but then you have more that, you know, these hands, these hands. And, and oh, by the way, I'm not surprised about your Hines uh, Ward uh, comment because I always believe this and I've heard others say it as well. He can Maybe block. the best blocking yeah. wide receiver oh, yeah. ever. <laughs> yeah. He understood how important blocking was. Yeah. He took it seriously as part of his job, so I'm not surprised that he acknowledged that you guys got him those two extra seconds he needed to slowly get open down the field. Yeah, you know, <laughs> you that's can hear exactly, exactly where I was going, Jody. Barrett picks the blocker, the best blocking wide yeah. receiver of all time. Um, Shane Bean, Aaron Rodgers. We got to talk about Aaron Rodgers. Oh, he, he keeps complaining uh, the Packers didn't build up around him correctly. Wide receivers. Okay. Well, they do have Devontae Adams, but what they have done is build up a hell of an offensive line to no protect question. him over these years. David Bakhtiari, you know, Brian Balaga when he was there, he's a first-round pick. Corey Lindsley, one of the best centers in football till he left. Elgin Jenkins, they keep getting these great offensive linemen. What what if you guys see a quarterback who's not giving you love? Say, what about us, dude? Right, right. Well, see, you know, I've, I've had that a lot too. You know, that I play with guys that didn't necessarily care. Like Big Ben, his first two years, he didn't necessarily care about the offensive line until he really, really understood what his offensive line was doing for him. And it wasn't until his third year, the year after 
we won the Super Bowl, and he didn't feel as though you know he did anything to win the Super Bowl, so he wasn't too happy about that Super Bowl and Super Bowl four. Yeah. That next year he played, he was kind of still stuck on himself, you know, because he had won all those games. And then the year after that, in 2008, 2008, that's when he realized that, wow, these guys are blocking for me. I can go out there and play all day because these guys are helping me out front. And they ended up winning another Super Bowl. But he understood then the dynamics of team and how his offensive line directly affected how he played the game. So it wasn't until he matured like that that he became a great quarterback, you know, so – I mean, it, it happens at times, but if you look at Rodgers, A-Rod, I mean, I mean, A-Rod, he's at a point in his life where he understands that they want to go to the heir apparent, but evidently the heir apparent is not ready. Love is not ready to play the game. If they, if he was ready, then A-Rod would probably be out of there. But it, since he's not ready, he has the upper hand on it. And you see what quarterbacks can do now, you know, with these contracts that they're wielding and the fact that their salary cap value is so high, they could pretty much do and say whatever they want to say and not have to really handle the repercussions of what comes from them saying whatever they want to say. That's why you have the stuff with Wilson. That's why you have the stuff, you know, down in Houston. And, you know, now, you know, with the Eagles, you know, we just let go of franchise quarterback, you know, which is crazy yeah. to me. I'm still in awe that we let that happen, but yeah. they let it happen. So he understands the power that he's wielding for this team. They also understand that love is not ready. So since he's not ready, it's a totally different situation than him than when he had uh, Brett Favre there. Brett Favre understood that, you know, A-Rod was a great player. But he also was banking on his ability to woo the crowd and and what he's done in those years, you know, leading up to him, his his exodus from the Green Bay Packers. He thought that, you know, who he was was going to help him. But Aaron Rodgers at the time had – wooed the coaches so much that they really didn't care about the whole situation. All right, uh, Barrett, despite the fact that my partner suggested you might have been too big to play basketball, <laughs> and you did play what at is- Kansas State, I'm going to make you an NFL general manager because I think, uh. just personally, you know the game, understand the game enough to do it. Um, if you are another team's general manager and Aaron Rodgers is available, and you think you got the capital that it takes to get him, but you got to bring him in for all things good and bad. Well, one of the bad is, oh, he's ready, willing, and able to throw the general manager under the bus. Right. He's trying to get the general manager and his own team fired. Now, you're the GM that has to say, yeah, come, let me get this guy. So within two years, he can throw me under the bus and say, hey, if you fire the GM, I'm good. Uh, how difficult is that for a general manager to go, yeah, I got a chance to get maybe the most talented quarterback, Ian Mahomes, on the planet. But then, oh, by the way, yes, I might be shooting myself in the back of the head. How do you do that if you're a general manager? Well, that's the that's the hard part, you know, because you I mean just like me, we sit down and we we may go to a bar and talk. Well, these general managers do the same thing, you know. Even though nobody likes Howard Howie Roseman, they <laughs> like Howie Roseman in his circle, you know, and that's the difference, you know. Yeah. The general public may not like Howie, but Howie is is well respected around the league for the things he's done. So they're talking, you know, just like, you know, nobody really likes Dallas, but they're still talking to their GM, the you know, the owner of the team. They're still talking to him, you know. They they talk to each other just like you know, it's a good old boys club. So at the end of the day, they're going to tell, all right, you know, he's a great player, but you got to worry about this and this and this and that. They'll be fully aware of those type of things, and it has been a team that's ready to play right now to compete right now. Uh, and and be a a force in their division in order for them to go out there and and try to get a guy like, you know, Aaron Rodgers. You have to be ready to play now because 
you have a short amount of time to maximize your money making potential, and that's exactly what he's trying to do. He's trying to maximize his money making potential before he goes out and starts doing game shows for for different networks. <laughs> so that's, that's that's what he you know that's what he's worried about right now. But he just wants them to show that you know they he he wants to show some more allegiance. He wants the the team to show some allegiance and 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 forward him into the into the future. But you can't do that with a guy that's going to be on the bench. You know you can't. They were able to hide him for a long time. You're not going to be able to do that with Love. You know, love. He needs to be ready to play now, and, and he's not. So he, he's wielding the power. Yeah, he's wielding the power. Well, and and you know, Jody's uh, wielding the power. You got some standard <laughs> reps today. Look at this. Reps make you better, Barrett, as you know. I, I take. You got it. some Shander trying to derail the segment reps early, and you're ready for the middle. That's the, that's the positive of taking out of this. Oh, yeah, appreciate and, it, guys. And, and oh, by the way, yeah, tell Harry we said hi. We don't care what you do in daytime, but make sure you send our regards to Harry, okay? You know, it's terrible because my mom loves Harry too, man. Uh, it amazes all right. Hey, uh, Barrett, thanks for helping on, brother. Appreciate, appreciate it. it. We'll get you back in a couple weeks, pal. Yes, sir. Thanks, Have man. a good one, guys. You'll see him on the middle later today with his boys, Aton Shander and Harry Mays. Barrett Brooks here with us on Birds 365. All right, we'll come right back. Got a bunch yet to do. Got a good Eagle guest coming up for you next hour. We'll give you the details on that. He's McMullen. I'm McDonald. Mac and Mac, Birds 365. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. Good day, everyone. It's Krause here at Jacob Media. Why am I wearing a Carson Wentz NFC East Pro Bowl jersey? Well, it's the only jersey I will not be able to give away this season, but we will be giving away 10 Devontae Smith jerseys at our 2021 NFL schedule release special broadcast, all presented by Pure Bull. The broadcast will be Wednesday night, 8 p.m. to midnight. You must be subscribed. You must be present to win, and we'll give away 10 Devontae Smith jerseys. Also, as we get closer to the season, Tickets for every single game on the schedule, both home and away, plus our bus trip and experiences for fans that you will never find anywhere else. All part of the Jacob Media Network. See you next time, everybody. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. 
IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Jody Mack. The legendary sports talker joins forces with NFL insider John McMullen. Start your morning with Johnny Mack and Jody Mack across the Jacob Media Network. Hour number two on this. Friday edition of Birds 365 with John McMullen. I'm Jody McDonald. Uh, should be a good second hour, too. Uh, we've got Michael K., Eagles beat guy from NJ.com, uh, scheduled to hop on board with us. Uh, but before we get back to the Birds, uh, Johnny, I do want to ask you a follow-up on Aaron Rodgers. Um, I saw his first last night shoot. I don't know what time it was, 10 o'clock. I was online. Um, CBS was reporting that during this offseason, the Packers – had offered a contract extension to Aaron Rodgers that would make him the highest paid quarterback in the National Football League, which no one should be surprised by because yeah. he's arguably the best quarterback in the National Football League. Probably not named Mahomes, but Mahomes got his contract and he's still actually on his rookie deal. And then the big one is going to kick in starting this year. So Rodgers could get paid more than Mahomes if this contract extension that was reportedly out there was put in place, and of course, it has not come to fruition. Couple things on that. Number one, you buying that this actually came down? Do you think the reporting is accurate that CBS had that they talked contract extension with Rodgers to make him the highest paid quarterback in the league? Yeah, I do because of what Barrett just said, which is essentially they know Jordan Love is. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I'm ready. Uh, the hope... You know, if you go back to Tampa Bay, I always mentioned the hope was to go directly from Brady to Garoppolo. The timing didn't work out. Um, Brady just kept playing like Brady. Um, could be different reasons. In this case, Rodgers is playing like Rodgers and Love isn't ready. So, you know, he 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 holds a lot of power, Aaron Rodgers. He yields a lot of power. Um uh, and they're trying to make him as happy as possible to keep him going as long as possible until they think Jordan Love is ready. Um, that's going to be difficult to do. And maybe it's reached past that point already. I think the only thing that's positive here for the Packers is the timing. Everybody's budgeted, Jody. Everybody has a plan for next season. Maybe the budget is more important than the plan because everybody can throw out the plan and say, oh, we can go get Aaron Rodgers. Uh, he's better than what we have. Everybody but, you know, Kansas City, maybe the few teams that could argue in a different direction. My point is, if this were 
at the beginning of free agency and everybody hadn't already budgeted and put together that plan, you might have multiple options. I think you only have really one real option, and that's Denver, because I don't think he wants to play with John Gruden. San Francisco's out now. They tried to get it done. Uh, plus, you have to get the money to to give this guy the contract to make him the highest paid player. So there's so many hurdles. You know, Aaron might just go back and play that final year with Green Bay, or if you believe what I believe, nobody can hold a grudge like Aaron Rodgers. And that's the Carson Palmer route. And say, you know what? I don't want to play for you. I'm going to retire in name only. And when you come to your senses, you can finally trade me. So it might be half a season, might be four games, whatever. Um, I think he could go that route and just say, no, I'm not playing. I'm walking away from the game. He's made plenty of money, already has a Super Bowl, first ballot Hall of Famer. You know, yes, he wants that legacy to increase. He wants to win championships, but does he need it? I don't know. Yeah, I think he's a, excuse me, a very principled guy. And I do believe he is the kind of guy who would say, all right, well, I'll be home. (laughs) You guys didn't trade me. You know where to find me when you do trade me. But if you haven't traded me, then you know where you can get me. I'll be back at my house or I'll be on the set of Jeopardy or wherever he's going to be. But I think he is that kind of guy who would take that kind of stance and go down that road. Uh, The leaking of this information it's all Packers, right? We believe that Aaron Rodgers, despite the fact that through uh, Mike Tirico at the uh, Derby last week said, oh, I'm so sorry that this became public. <laughs> yeah, right, Aaron. Uh, we're yeah. believing that. Uh, he made sure this story got out draft week uh, so that conversations could be had and the Packers could be painted in a questionable light. Okay, round one to Aaron. I see this as certainly round two in a response from the Green Bay Packers. Oh, Aaron Rodgers doesn't think we appreciate him. We're not treating Aaron Rodgers right. We offered him the biggest contract in the history of the National Football League at the quarterback position. How is that not taking care of Aaron Rodgers? How is that yeah. not appreciating Aaron Rodgers? I, I just mentioned what Barrett said, how the Packers built their team. Look, I expect it from fans. I don't expect it from quarterbacks. And I saw it from Aaron Rodgers. I see it from Joe Burrow. I brought up Jamar Chase. Why Joe Burrow? I mean, why don't you want the offensive lineman to protect you? I get you want your friend. I mean, I get, you know, Aaron Rodgers. By the way, Aaron Rodgers turned Devontae Adams into one of the best receivers in football. What are you talking about? What about that offensive line that they put so so many assets in front of you? I don't get it, to be honest, from that standpoint. I think they've done a wonderful job building up a great team, a great organization. I don't understand. I mean, it comes down to the fact that they haven't won as many Super Bowls as people think they should, but it's hard to win Super Bowls. I don't know. Tom Brady makes it look easy, but other than Tom Brady, that's the outlier. It doesn't happen every day. It doesn't happen every year. They're a consistent contender. Andy Reid used to always say, you know, just get me there. Get me there. And if you get there year after year after year, 
eventually things are going to break your way. It took a long, long time for Andy. It finally happened. That's that's the goal. The goal isn't this weird modern generation of championship or bust. Get in the conversation so that when the stars align, you can make the run. And uh, you mentioned the differentiation between offensive linemen and wide receivers. Who's going to benefit the quarterback most? Who does the quarterback care about the most? I think the over-leaning uh, toward wide receivers and playmakers is more of a new school thing than an old school thing. Now, oh, you're no old enough, Johnny Mac, that you'll yeah. remember. Dan Marino was the first quarterback I ever remember going the extra yards to make sure that his offensive lineman were not only well mm. paid, but well acknowledged as well. Shoot, he made a living. He made an extra nice little living of his own with that stupid glove commercial. Uh, yeah. that he got the gloves for all yeah. of his offensive linemen because they protect him. They kept him upright, and he uh, actually turned it into a profit for himself. Yeah. I don't believe that was his uh, reason for doing it. He was just smart enough and well-represented enough to uh, turn it into yeah. a profit. But he was the last guy. Old school, that used to be it. The big guys up front helped me make my living. Now it's these days... Yeah, the star wide receivers, the weapons are the guys that are going to make me yeah. into Hall of Fame quarterbacks. I'll never get it. Like I said, I get it from fans because they're not the ones getting the, the snot kicked out of them on Sunday. I mean, I, I do not understand a quarterback that does not realize the offensive line and how important it is for them. I don't get it. I'll never get it. And I want to get—I don't want to give him a free plug, but it was Isotoner for Dan Marino. Isotoner, thank you for yeah. reminding me. That's yeah. exactly right. And I'll uh, give you my thought on the fans. You're right about the fans. Um, they, they play toward the skill position, and there's a really simple reason for that. You a fantasy football player at all, JM? You play fantasy football? Not at all. I'm one of the thirty years. Charlie. Right, I've been, I've, and I've, I will I've, never play it. I will never. Get involved with it drives me insane. Drives me insane. Goes all the way back real quick to Troy Aikman. I would have these people tell me Troy Aikman is a bad quarterback because his fantasy football stats weren't great. I just right. I, at that point, I just turned it off. I said, I don't want to hear from you people. I don't I have no interest in it. I'm sorry. I've been playing fantasy football for about 30 years. So uh, but I know exactly where you're coming from. I used to play in like four or five different leagues because people, hey, Jody, can you get in our fantasy football? <clears throat> yeah, sure. I'll sit down. I'll do a draft with you. I'll give you a night. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll have some fun, drink some beers. Uh, you can go up against Jody Mack and pick a fantasy team. And I used to do it. And then I would try and win. But I got to the point where I had so many players that I was rooting against myself on weekends. Yeah. I got this well, team's defense. Yeah. I got two wide receivers going against them. What the hell do I do? So then yeah. I got smart. I cut back. I have one fantasy football team every year. And yeah. last year I had none. First time in a long time that I had, just because the league that I've been in for a long time was doing a draft at a time that I couldn't uh, participate in. So I completely was out of it last year for the first time in a couple decades. But you're stupid if you do one against the other. But you are so right about that Aikman point. Yeah. That's what drives a big percentage. Not all football fans. There are a lot of great football fans. We believe we got a lot of great football oh, fans yeah. oh, watching yeah. us here on Birds 365. But there's a contingent of football fans that only want to know yards per catch, yeah. how many touchdowns. 
What are they going to do in the Who's going to get the ball in the red zone? And that's the be-all, end-all to football to them. Yeah. So wide receivers, tight ends, running backs, quarterbacks, everybody else, be damned. We don't care. It's all how many points can you get me on my fantasy football team? So that's a mindset that it is encircles the game of football because, yeah, people play this fantasy football stuff all over the country. The percentage of people that play it just yeah. continue to skyrocket over the years. I mean, if you have fun, have fun. I just personally, it's not for me. And it's been from day because everyone asked me over the years, same as you. Oh, join our friend. I'm like, no, I've just, I cut it off very, very early. I don't want to be involved. But yeah, from a fan perspective, if I'm rooting for a team and I'm at the stage where I, I don't, I just not, I, I don't root. So it's not, uh, it doesn't really affect me from that perspective. But I do see it if you're rooting for a team. Yeah. How could you? Say Amari Cooper, if you're an Eagles fan, oh, I need Amari Cooper to score two touchdowns, but I got to find the Eagles the way to win a game. I I don't get that. And oh, by the way, the general manager in my DNA, yeah, I draft players on teams that I don't like, that I know that I'm going to end up rooting against. But you you sitting there draft night, you're making a pick. You think you're going to take a lesser player because he play, he doesn't play against teams that you root for very often? No. You're going to take the best available player. You can't help but yourself because you're trying to win. Uh, so you're right. You draft Amari Cooper. Yeah, you got to be competitive. You got one of Nick Sirianni's four foundational pieces to be That's That's me. And, and got to be will, competitive. It will certainly help uh, get me through. All right. Uh, one thing before we get Michael K up here. Um, uh, the, the kid yesterday, uh, Juwan James, who got injured while working mm-hmm. out, um, looks like he could be missing for the entire season. The NFL takes advantage by putting out a memo that uh, if you do get injured when working out, not at the team facility, no full well, you're not going to be able to get your bonuses. There is a chance. And the union immediately responded yesterday that we will fight. We will grieve. We will go to bat for you. If you're working out and you're doing a routine that was given to you by your coaching staff, even though it might not be in the location of the team's specific uh, workout area, we'll get you covered. You don't sweat this. Uh, do you believe this for a millisecond, what the uh, union is saying? Do you think they can possibly win a fight over because you are working out under team directives that a coach mentioned to you, this is the kind of workout we think would benefit you for the upcoming season. They don't have a prayer, do they? No, they don't have a prayer because it's in the CBA. I mean, they already negotiated this. This is like uh, this is like political factions warring over a law, but they don't. They know they can't get it through, so they want to use public perception to change it and force pressure. On, in this case, the league, uh, they don't want off-season work. J.C. Treader came out and said it. At least he was honest about it and said it worked well last year. We don't need it. We don't want it. But it's in the CBA. You got to do it. And the players with bonuses, they have to come in to get certain uh, money. Aaron Rodgers being most notable, $500,000. We're going to see if he shows up in Green Bay. I would say he's not, uh, pretty obviously. But um, – when you talk about this back and forth between the union and, and the league, look, that memo from the league was just a big middle finger to the union. Everybody knows the rule. You didn't have to clarify it to anybody, certainly not the teams. Look, there are times when 
if Denver thought Jawan James was a big part of their organization and he was doing what the union claimed, he was just following, you know, the coaching staff, the training staff, the conditioning staff, they might pay him. You know, that's an individual decision. Um, it happened here with Tim Jernigan. Tim Jernigan hurt his neck, herniated disc, um, lifting weights. He had just signed a big extension. Eagles were like, dude, we didn't tell you to do that. That's a non-football injury. They basically gave him a take-it-or-leave-it contract renegotiation. Had to do it. Lost a ton of money. Um, yeah, I mean, you are taking your future in your hands if you're not working out at the team facility. If Jawan James was in the team facility, if he got hurt there, he gets paid. So, you know, it's a, it's, it's a personal decision for each player. It's a Which, personal decision. I, I gotta be honest with you, John. And I know certain players feel very comfortable living elsewhere and playing in a specific town and coming in and only spending whatever portion of the year that they need to in that town to prep for a season, to be there for every single game. And then the season's over and they go back quote unquote home, wherever home is. Mm -hmm. You are taking a risk by doing it. I'm a guy who appreciates his home. My home here is in South Jersey. Shoot. Now in the pandemic times in which we live, I don't go anywhere, but I was <laughs> always more comfortable being home than anywhere else. I'm not yeah. a guy who needs to go on the road to cover a team or anything else like that. But you make your commitment to your craft and then you make yourself available to that by being close to where you work. If I'm a pro football player, I'm sorry. I need to be close to where I work. There is this potential downside. There's only two ways to play it if you're me. Either you do the work or you don't do the work. Either you think you're good enough to not do the work, just show up and play on your athletic yeah. skills. Which is then not you go possible. ahead and do that. You can live at home. You can yeah. go home. You show back up when the season starts. But if you realize that for you to be the best you can be, you need to continue to put work in. And, oh, by the way, you can injure yourself in that work. You yeah. better believe I'm doing it on the team facilities. I'm not opening the risk yeah. to potentially get hurt and get stiffed by my organization because I'm doing what I'm doing to help them too, not only myself, but help the team. Oh, I'm going to cover my backside. I'm going to be there. I don't care what the union says. We need that. There are a whole bunch of guys that don't want to do it. I don't care about a whole bunch of guys. I know me. And I'm going to be in the team facility working out to make sure that if something goes awry, I'm still getting paid. Jody, this is a tough question. It really is. Because, look, these teams and these leagues and, and the union um, have collectively bargained these giant CBAs. And there are times where players can't be at the facility. They're not allowed to be at the facility. Um, and, you know, Jalen Hurts is a perfect example of this. One of the things I've given him tremendous credit for, you can go on social media. You can go on uh, his social media. Quincy Avery is personal quarterback tutor's social media. Guy's always working out. Guy's always trying to get better. Always. What if he gets hurt out there? Now, he's on his rookie deal. He's the starting quarterback of the Philadelphia Eagles. They're going to pay him. But you, you could see if you're a fringe player, 
and you're just trying to make the back end of the roster, I just use him as, as an example because he's always trying to get better, and he's doing it on his own, which is a great trait to have. But if he gets hurt, that's it. It, it is a really difficult question because even if he wanted to stay in Philadelphia, you have 10 OTAs. You have a mandatory minicamp. That's it. You get six weeks off. Do you just sit in stasis? Do you try not to get better? Well, how, do you, how, how do you solve that equation? Here's an interesting slant, uh, and it goes back to what you and I talked about at the top of your show, which was your column yesterday in uh, phillyboys.com. Well, do you love to ball? If mm. you love to ball, you're going to work out. You're going to put the hours in. You're going to, yes, take a little bit of a chance that you potentially do get hurt, but you want to become the best that you can be. And if you're smart enough, you love it enough, you know, I need to play to reach my ultimate potential. Specifically, somebody as young in his career as Jalen Hurts. Yeah, I got to put the work in. There's not a question in my mind. Why? Because I love ball. It's not like this is work to me. I want to go out. I want to throw the ball around. That's what I do. I'm a baller. So ballers ball. And that's what Jalen Hurts does during an offseason. Cross your fingers, Eagle fans, and he doesn't get hurt. Because, yeah. yeah, it does happen from time to time. Uh, we're making a big deal about this situation because he's a big enough player with a big enough contract that both the league and the union reacted thereafter. But the guy's getting hurt just uh, working out, lifting weights, throwing the ball around. They're few and far between because it's going on all over the league right now. But I think a lot of it comes down to, yes, your personal attitude about how do you relate to your sport your game your yeah, job it's yeah. all those things do you love what you're doing if you love what you're doing if you love the ball well then yeah you're gonna get out and put the work in yeah and you have to almost you have to try to get better because they've scaled back uh practices so much really from the previous cba and now the new cba um so these players the great players they have to do it on their own if they want to get better and that's the catch 22 you're giving up. You want that quality of life where you don't have to be tethered to the team facility at all times. If you live in Florida, we had Andrew Brand on. He was the one who created these workout bonuses because nobody wanted to stay yep. in Green Bay. He had to he had to try to keep them in Green Bay. If you live in Florida, Jody, you don't want to be in Green Bay. Bottom line. Uh, so it's really difficult to do it from a – from that standpoint, and as I said, there are times of the year where you're not allowed into the facility. And what are you going to do? You're going to sit on the couch and eat cookies. You're not going to be a good NFL player if you do that. So it is a tough, tough problem. It really is. And the league and the union need to figure something out. When you talk about somebody like Jawan James specifically, I think – if they weren't in this current angst, I think Denver would do the right thing. I think most teams do the right thing. The Eagles didn't do right by Tim Jernigan. I can tell you that. The dueling press releases from the league and the players association is not helping anybody on that. We can definitely agree. All right, let's see what we agree or disagree with, with our next guest. 
Michael K, Eagle Beat reporter for NJ.com, scheduled to join Birds 365 next here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. Good day, everyone. It's Krause of Jacob Media. Why am I wearing a Carson Wentz NFC East Pro Bowl jersey? Well, it's the only jersey I will not be able to give away this season, but we will be giving away 10 Devontae Smith jerseys at our 2021 NFL schedule release special broadcast, all presented by Pure Bull. The broadcast will be Wednesday night, 8 p.m. to midnight. You must be subscribed. You must be present to win. And we'll give away 10 Devontae Smith jerseys. Also, as we get closer to the season, tickets for every single game on the schedule, both home and away, plus our bus trip and experiences for fans that you will never find anywhere else. All part of the Jacob Media Network. See you next time, everybody. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods, your vacation, your way. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Jody Mack. The legendary sports talker joins forces with NFL insider John McMullen. Start your morning with Johnny Mack and Jody Mack across the Jacob Media Network. Right in a bird 65 with Mack and Mack guys. John McMullen, Jody McDonald, uh, lucky enough to have as our guest for the next 15, 20, shoot, maybe we'll keep him 25 minutes if he's got that for us. Uh, does a great job covering the birds day in and day out for NJ.com. Michael K jumps aboard with us. Uh, Mike, we haven't had you on since the draft. Eagles surprise you with anything you did? That they did? Was there anything that you did not see coming? Because we all know guys like yourself and John, Follow it day in and day out, get the information, love to speculate and the like. And then the draft actually happens. Every once in a while, it goes uh, strictly to foil. 
And then every once in a while you go, wow, didn't see that coming. Anything the Eagles do surprise you? Well, the last time I was on your show, I said they're going to go defense and probably cornerback in the first round. Then they didn't go cornerback until the fourth round. The truth is they really wanted Patrick Sertan and J.C. Horn. They just went early, and Carolina and and Denver did not want to move out of their picks. This was a draft where they had four guys that they thought they could land. And when that fourth guy was still on the board with, you know, (laughs) the Giants breathing down their neck, they made a move up and and – dealt with the devil and and traded with the Cowboys and got their guy. And I think when we look at this draft in a vacuum, you say, well, you gave up a very high valued asset after you traded back to get a high valued asset. What does that say about your prioritization of assets? And really, I think what the Eagles did was, they wanted to nail this first pick because they needed to nail it um, as opposed to settling for Rashawn Slater or settling for somebody like um, Quiddy Pay, who went, you know, 10 spots later, or 11 spots later. So they wanted to nail this pick. They wanted to get one of those four guys. Jalen Waddle came off the board, as I predicted, to the Dolphins at six. Then uh, J.C. Horn, which I did not predict, uh, went off the board at eight to Carolina Denver took a cornerback, which we had speculated on, um, and, and Patrick Sertan. And then when you get to 10 and that fourth guy's there, you have to make that move. And and Howie Roseman came out uh, on, I believe it was Saturday, and said that the Eagles really wanted to get Zach McPherson late in the third round. Well, guess what? They probably would have used the 84th overall pick on Zach McPherson. Instead, they get him 50 picks, you know, after their – their actual third round pick and select him in the fourth round. So they, they got lucky there. So overall, I, I think they, they stuck to their board and maybe that was the most surprising thing of all. Well, Mike, number one, you're telling me the Eagles didn't get the player they wanted because I was assured that Devonte Smith was always the guy, but you're right. It was corner first, then receiver. Um, you did a great job at njonline.com. Your Devonte Smith piece you went in deep. You talked to some of his trainers, his track coach, how an awkward teenager turned into the Slim Reaper. What did you learn about Devontae Smith? Why is he such a home run for this particular team? He's the, you know, he's the T-700. He's the new version of the Terminator. This guy is is cold as ice and he's focused i mean he he's a guy who constantly wants to get better this is a guy who got the game-winning touchdown pass in the national championship game as a true freshman and two hours later just wanted to talk about how he missed a block like that's crazy he's got a trainer who who's worked with justin jefferson jamar chase uh derrick henry mark ingram and he constantly is all these guys to perfect their routes well Devontae smith will run a perfect route and still stop in the middle of it and want to run it again He's a guy who's like obsessed with perfection. And, and while some people would think that's unhealthy, I, I know another guy who was obsessed with perfection in Michael Jordan, not saying they're the same guy or whatever, but having that killer instinct sometimes makes you better and makes up for some of your shortcomings. Um, and when we say shortcomings, we're talking about obviously his slender build, which he's had his entire life. Um, he was an awkward kid growing up uh, in, in middle school, had big hands, big feet, long arms, but like a really small body and just couldn't keep on weight. He was 150 pounds when he got to Alabama. Uh, And so he had to learn how to be a technician. And then he hit a growth spurt. His speed increased. 
And oh, by the way, he's a master technician. So he put everything together and that's how he's become this wide receiver who weighs 166 pounds yet can play the X receiver position. And one of the things that I thought, and I read your article as well, Michael, and it was good, as Johnny noted, um, that I think hits home with Eagle fans. Because uh, we talked to him. I do it on the radio. Uh, John does it as well. Um, there are a whole bunch of Eagle fans that wanted no part of Devontae Smith before the draft. We can't. There's no such thing as a 166-pound receiver in the National Football League. Eagles take him and go, yeah, but, and the fans turn their opinions around because now he's an Eagle and I have to root for him. I'm going to emphasize the positive. More power to you if that's the case. But there is some that cling to the, I don't need a 166-pound receiver. We'll get used to it because that's what he's going to play at in the NFL. As you noted, he, he knows it would be better to be bigger, but he just wasn't capable of putting on that extra weight, that extra muscle. His physique is his physique. If they don't have the ability to uh, get you bigger at Alabama, they're not going to be able to do it here in Philadelphia either. So the chances are this is going to be the size player that the Eagles have. They couldn't knock them to pieces in the SEC. Why should we be afraid that that's going to happen in the NFL? Yeah, and I think what he gives you is a guy who can move around, and you you were able to be a little bit more creative with him. Um you know, we talk about his weight being a 166. He's now going to have like a true strength and conditioning program here, whether it, where it's professional and you've got to kind of learn. But the thing that's underrated about him is his strength. If you watch him on film, this dude is is pretty tough. Uh, he gets bashed all the time for being slender. Um, a lot of people had a problem with him being called the Slim Reaper because I guess that's what Kevin Durant's called. Well, he's yeah. this. We can call him the spelt assassin if you want, because this dude's out there. I have in my notes, before I got into beat writing, John knows this, I was a draft analyst and I did film work on, on Devontae Smith before this draft. And in my notes, it says, like just in the middle of my notes says, Devontae Smith doesn't give an F if you're bigger than him. And that's the mindset he has. And that's how he plays. Um He's Philly tough. We've constantly talked about these guys that they brought in here who just can't handle playing in Philly. Playing in Philly is tough. Yeah. And, I mean, you guys know that. You guys have seen guys come and go. Devontae Smith isn't worried about social media. He might be plugging in out there with, with his video games and uh, dreams and nightmares, but he doesn't care. He, he and Jalen Hurts are one and the same, and I think this shows you – uh, the type of roster that this team is trying to build, especially when you, you add in Landon Dickerson, who I know you're going to ask me about. Yeah. Uh, so um, the mentality of this team is different. Now, Mike, I'm glad you brought that up before I get to Landon Dickerson. And everybody, again, go to njonline.com, read Mike's piece on Devontae Smith. You get a real in-depth look on how he became the player he was at Alabama. You just said something that concerns me, and I agree with. He is a tough kid. He does not play. I've said this all the time. He does not play like he's 166 pounds. He plays like he's 200 pounds. He's a yards after catch guy. But he mm -hmm. is 166 pounds. And we always go back to that Zach Ertz quote. I say it a lot. The, the injury rate in this league is 100%. Well, if you're 166 pounds, and you want to stick your nose into the you-know-what, and you're not afraid of it, that scares me a little bit, to be honest. 
And I think that is something that they're going to have to kind of pull back on. I mean, you don't want to, you don't want to let a, you know, a wild stallion not go out there and buck, but like they've got to come up with it with a theory and, and a way of using him that kind of protects him from himself, which is something they couldn't do with Carson Wentz under the previous regime. Mm-hmm. Right. So uh, they're very aware of this. Um, I think that while they keep billing him as a guy who can play X, he's mostly going to play the Z spot. He's going to have some space. He's going to have some cushion. I think Jalen Rager is going to be moved to the slot more frequently. You'll see Travis Fulgham. You'll see uh, whomever play the X a little bit more, uh, especially in um, 11 personnel looks. But look, they've got to protect from himself. He's got to be smart here. And that could mean you don't, have him run a lot of crossing routes. It could mean that you kind of scheme him up so that he's in space more, even at the exposition. But what I will say is they're going to get him to gain weight. Like these are professionals now. I mean, Tim Rath's got to, that's his job. That's, that should be his number one job. He should be packing on muscle and packing on strength. And he's got a frame that's slender and tall. So you can put some, 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 uh, muscle on that frame and he should still be able to be as effective because as fast as he is, that's not really his trademark. His trademark's technique. So you can kind of fill out that frame, but I do understand that concern. All right. One more Devonta Smith question for you and you let it to us, uh, let us to it. So uh, I don't have a problem asking it, even though we don't know the answer. I'm asking you to speculate. If Devonta Smith has got to refine his game and he's got to take slightly less chances, as you and John just discussed. Why would you put yourself at risk? He might have to adjust his mindset a little bit. Who's going to be the guy to get him to do that? We don't know because it's a whole new coaching staff. We've never seen them in action with their responsibilities and the like. It could be the head coach, Nick Sirianni. Because he loves the ball and he loves to talk about wide receivers because that's what he cut his teeth on. Or it could be their offensive coordinator. Or it could be their receivers coach. They don't really have a veteran guy on his team. We talk about mentorship all the time and a guy who could, hey, listen, kid, I've been there. I've done that. Let me explain. They don't have that guy. So it looks like it's going to have to come from the coaching staff. Who's the number one guy to potentially change his game? Well, to me, I think it's actually Kevin Petullo, their passing game coordinator, who is a former quarterbacks, uh, former quarterback, former quarterbacks coach, worked with wide receivers. Uh, but my understanding in talking to people in Indianapolis is his main job was teaching wide receivers how to read defenses. That was like his big job. So his understanding of the defense can help Devontae Smith understand where he's at on the field at all times give him a better understanding and an awareness of the field. And I think that's really important. I think that's why Kevin Petullo is so important to this concoction of former wide receivers and former quarterbacks coaches uh, that they have. I think Aaron Moorhead's a guy who can say, look, I've been there. I've been surrounded by a guy who was pretty comparable to your size and, and strength in Marvin Harrison. Um, I played with the guy. I watched this, how this guy worked. And he can show him film of how he was able to maintain his, his physique and, and skill set throughout a Hall of Fame career. And Devontae Smith, if anything, is a creature of habit and a creature of study. And he's a guy who's going to take the time to learn and take in that advice. All right, Mike, let's shift to Landon Dickerson, that second-round pick. Um, 
obviously there's tremendous upside. That's a first round talent. I don't think anybody questions that, but that injury history is real. It's lengthy, two torn ACLs, a tight right tight rope surgery. We just went through with Lane Johnson. He wasn't able to get through a season after undergoing that procedure, another serious ankle injury. What did you think of the pick? What, what, when you mix all that in, where did you land? I mean, I gave it a C because it's so boomer bust that you have to kind of wait to see what happens there. I mean, when you watch the film, this dude is nasty. He is nasty. He is a Philly offensive lineman. If I ever saw one, he reminds uh, me of Ryan Jensen. Is that who you see, Ryan Jensen? Yeah, I could, I could, I could see that. I mean, without having watched him in in, in a while, but yeah, I, yeah. I get, I get what you're saying. Like he's got like a dog to him. He plays like a a, a right tackle at center, which is crazy to me. Um, you know, Howie Roseman recently said that he reminds him of John Runyon. Yeah. But the guy's also like a really quirky dude. He's doing backflips at pro days. He's, uh, you know, putting a railroad tie on his truck as a bumper. Like he, this dude's, this dude's zany. He's got kind of like an Evan Mathis, Lane Johnson, uh, like personality. And I think when you look at what he can bring, not just to the field, but people talk about the locker room and leadership it's also about setting a tone in a locker room. And I think when a young guy can set a tone <laughs> that pushes everybody, especially the older guys who are like, wait, we got to keep our jobs here. They're about to replace a guy in Jason Kelsey, who is the ultimate professional, the ultimate respect factor in that locker room. What better way to do that with, than with a guy who created his own DIY gym uh, at Alabama during COVID and literally bonded the entire team together. This is a special person. It's He's not just a special player. And that's something the Eagles really emphasize. And look, I know that's all PR. I know that's that's public relations. And that's like, hey, we're trying to hedge our bets because, you know, they know what type of risk this is. But if it pays off, this is going to be like they got a top 15 player at 40. Um, it's different than, than Sidney Jones offensive linemen deal with ACL injuries and can recover pretty quickly. Uh, the tightrope surgery was years ago and he, it didn't really affect him. He really, he was the best center in, in the country last yeah. year. It wasn't even close. Yeah. Um, so I think they feel confident that he can recover. I mean, like I said, he was doing cartwheels at a pro day, like three months later, he's a guy who got to take the final snap in the national championship game a month after tearing his his knee apart. Like this is a different type of cat. Um, and I think there are reports out there that he'll be ready for training camp. That's wild. Right. So different type of dude, different type of dude. And that's the type of dude you kind of want to bet on as, as the Eagles say. Mike, I uh, bring this up basically every day here on Birds 365 and with a guest like you when you come on job to cover the team day in and day out. Check another day off the calendar. Zach Ertz is still here, <laughs> even though we've had several reports that it's imminent. It's a matter of days. It's a matter of weeks, matter of hours before Zach Ertz is no longer Philadelphia Eagle. Yet he is. And Howie Roseman spoke about him last week and kind of sung his praises to at least verbally lay the groundwork of the possibility of Zachard staying. Is there any possibility? It seems like there's some pretty bad uh, water that's flowed under this bridge and that it just doesn't seem capable of being uh, worked out. Yet he's still here. What do we read into Zachard's? I think they're saying all the right things because that's what they have to do. Um, you know, you can't be in a situation where Zachard's magically says, you know what, I'll play on my contract 
and then you've just bashed him to the public. I, I said this during the, the Carson Wentz saga. You have to take an asset and sell him to the public both ways, right? You have to you have to give the impression that you're willing to keep him while so you have leverage while also shining up his shoes uh, to potential buyers. And look, the Eagles, once they got past the first round, I knew he wasn't being traded. Uh, there were people that were guaranteeing that he was going to get traded, and I'm not trying to take a knock on any of our colleagues, but that wasn't the case. Um, and so when that happens, now you got to look at June 1, because that's the big day, or well, June 2nd, really. Yeah. Because they can go from saving $4.9 million to $8.5 million just by releasing him or trading him for um, a travel thermos. So, like, that's where you want to be. Um, I know it's not the greatest thing for Zach Ertz, but really at this point, waiting a month doesn't really matter. Actually, it might be better for him because he knows what his competition is going to be. He doesn't have to worry about a draft pick being spent on a guy. And really, when you look at it, Kyle Pitts, after Kyle Pitts came off the board, Zach Ertz was the most appealing option, available option on the market. Maybe Hayden Hurst is out there too. But yeah. um, to me, like now it's patience time. Just wait out that month because that's when, if he's not cut by June 2nd, then, then you kind of go, well, maybe they're going to Sam Bradford him and, and wait for an injury to happen in training camp. But, yeah, every day that he's here, the, the likelihood that he stays increases. But even then, John will tell you it's like a 2% chance. Yeah. Uh, I think yeah. he wants to change the scenery pretty, pretty bad. I don't think he's a guy who's extremely disgruntled. I just think he wants a clean break. It's time. And I think the Eagles understand that they have $5 million right now under the cap. They need more of that to, to sign uh, their free agent class. So their options are uh, restructure Fletcher Cox's contract, which has already <laughs> got a mammoth cap hit or trade Zach Ertz or release Zach Ertz. That's really their option. So that's why I would say there's little to no chance. How about the restructure Lane Johnson? Cause I remember you wrote about it. John wrote, everybody wrote about it. Uh, everyone expected Lane Johnson to get restructured and they never did. Uh, that is another way to move cap money around. Is that still a possibility? Like you say, if Zach Ertz isn't going to be released to uh, create that needed cap uh, availability. When you ask a girl to the dance and she says no, sometimes it's kind of hard <laughs> to ask that uh, that person again to go to the dance with you. Uh, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's one of those things where Lane Johnson was open to being restructured. The Eagles just decided they didn't need it. Maybe right. that changes, but like – You've had that conversation. If I'm Lane Johnson, I'm like, hmm, what's going on here? So, you know, yeah, it's a possibility, but I don't see it happening. As long as he gets his money. It depends right. on what the it's restructure right. looks like. But well, well, the thing is, too, is I don't yeah. know if it makes a ton of sense coming off that injury. But then again, they just restructured yeah. Brandon Brooks, who's had more injuries over the last three years than, yeah. than James Bond has had, you know, movies. It's, it's, it's tough. Uh, you've got to figure out how comfortable you are with a guy rehabbing and Lane Johnson's going to enter. I think he's 29 now. Like he's getting up there. Uh, And he's had a world within 29, but he's, he's getting up there. Yeah. Um, You mentioned June 2nd, if they add a tumbler with that travel thermos, I think he could get the deal done. So that uh, is very, uh, a very good potential deal, Mike K. But I want to talk to you about day three. You wrote about Kenneth Gainwell. That was a good piece as well. I think he's yeah. a perfect perfect fit for this team because what did Miles Sanders do poorly last year? K 
catch the football, pass protection. Um, you, you get a natural third down receiving back. You have the history with Nick Sirianni uh, using pass catchers, even more so if you go back to um, Jamel Singleton, the way he used running backs. Um, I think it's a nice fit. And then you also mentioned Zach McPherson. Um, look, man, this team doesn't have cornerbacks. They didn't address this position. Fourth round pick, Mike K. Who's going to play outside corner for this team? Right now, it's Zach McPherson. Because if you look at the rest of the crew, it's like a bunch Craig of James. Guys. Yeah, it's a bunch of guys that you've never heard of or are upset that you remember. You know what I mean? It's, <laughs> it's not, a, it's not a, a list of who's who. But what I will say is this. Steven Nelson's still out there in free agency. Yeah. And you got to kind of wonder if Steven Nelson's waiting to kind of read the tea leaves. And if you look at the cornerback group, if Steven Nelson's deciding between a $4 million contract and a $3 million contract, if he wants to up his value, he's literally going to be handed the number two job here playing opposite Darius Slay. And he gets to play mostly in zone. That's perfect for his ball skills. So um, to me, I I think there's a move to be made there. Howie Rosen even addressed it, which is something he doesn't typically do. Um, and then you look at uh, uh, Kenneth Gainwell. So I, I've been comparing him since I watched film on him this offseason to Naheem Hines, who uh, <laughs> Nick Sirianni has used to perfection over the last three years. He caught uh, 63 passes last year. I think he caught 44 the year before, 63 the year before. That's 170 passes in three years. That's wild. That's when you have a running back who is whose main designation is the receiving game and I think while we've seen Boston Scott and Miles Sanders show their upside as receivers you want to give your guys different roles and that's what Sirianni kind of really likes to do so does Shane Steichen by the way their offensive coordinator he used Austin Eckler uh, who had the third most catches on the team with the Chargers his lone year as the offensive coordinator oh and by the way Eckler missed six games Uh, he caught 54 passes that's wild Um, but Again, it seems like everybody on this team wants their running backs to have roles and not just be, you know, thrown in willy-nilly kind of the way it worked with the previous regime. So, you know, Miles Sanders will be that main back. Uh, Boston Scott will be his change of pace back when needed. And then, really, you're looking at Kenneth Gainwell to be that third down, bailout, um, you know, yards after catch weapon. And I think that's going to help Jalen Hurts out a lot. He can trust his his – he only threw, I believe, 13 passes to running backs in his three full games uh, that he started and finished this year. That's like, or, yeah, 13%, excuse me. Um, 13% of his targets were to running backs. Brain, math. Um, <laughs> it happened. But I think you'll see Jalen Hurts has a little bit more juice on third down now with the arrival of Devontae Smith and then with Gainwell. I think Gainwell was their best pick. I gave it an A+. Plus. I, I think I, – I, I can't think of a more brilliant fit on day three than, than this guy. And I, I think he's going to be uh, a special-esque player. I think he's a guy who's going to bring a lot of juice. Fair enough. All right, uh, I'm going to ask you keep that hat on, the Michael K. draft scout analyst hat. Mm-hmm. Um, and I understand the question. It can't be perfectly answered because two of the four teams I'm going to ask you to rank and rate for me, part of their draft was acquiring future assets, picks in future years. Cowboys traded down with the Eagles, but they cashed the chip right away. The Washington football team took the picks they had. 
But the Giants and Eagles both made a major move that scored them future assets. So factor that in as you see fit. How do you rate the four teams in the NFC East out of what they got most out of this draft, one through four? Well, it's interesting because you talk about immediate value, and the Cowboys clearly got that. But when you look at the long-term upside of the class, I think the Giants and the Eagles blew everybody else away. I thought the Redskins had a really good draft. I'd actually give them all Bs, if that makes sense, Uh, but for different reasons. I think the Cowboys really didn't care about character. And that is they never do. That, yeah, yeah nothing new there. I mean, this was uh, if you go down that list and you yeah. go down through the, their character issues, woo boy. Um, and to me, that's a bigger gamble than injuries. Uh, so I'm gonna probably rank them fourth. I'll give Washington third, and then I'll say the Giants second because well, actually, I'm gonna put the Giants at the top because I think they got so much value. In the moment, the cost benefit. I, I, I mean, I, I mean, I didn't really like the Kadarius Tony pick. I don't really get it. Yeah, um, I didn't like it. I didn't like it either. But I think when you look at how bad Chicago is going to be this year, because they only have a defense and a high upside. Uh, be be careful! You bad mouth Justin Fields at your own risk, Kay. Yeah. I'm go right those what? bears off. Yeah. I mean, look. I think in a in a in a vacuum, I think that. The, Cow- the Bears pick's going to be better than the Dolphins pick. Not much better, but I do think it'll be better. Um, I don't love that the Eagles traded a third-round pick to move up, but I get it. Uh, and I think, look, they've made, we, I was on the show last week and, and said, 2022 draft picks, that's the gold mine. And so for, yeah. me to not, uh, for me to not say that the Cowboys or the Giants and the Eagles came out on top would be, you know, hypocritical. So I'm going to go with those two at the top. Uh, it's hard for me to place which one. Eh, whatever. Let's put the Eagles there. I, I like not getting hate emails. Um, <laughs> but yeah, to me, uh, look, who cares? I think that I think the Giants and the Eagles understand that they're not Super Bowl contenders, so they went attack the draft accordingly. Uh, Washington is the reigning division champ, and they spent their picks as they saw fit, and I think they're going to be good this year. The Cowboys, I'm like character issues always bother me. So you're never gonna. That's why I didn't think Michael Parsons was going to be here. Uh, well, well, there's other reasons, but yeah, yeah, I get it. Yeah, but like I just didn't see it. Kelvin Joseph, like um, I believe Josh Ball has some some baggage as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, it, I, again, I, I think the Eagles and the Giants were the guys that came out long-term on top. And I think something we have to look at, we've seen what's happened to the Eagles when you try to put everything in the basket for one year. It just doesn't, it's not sustainable. So I think when you look at the way the Eagles changed up their strategy and went with long-term thinking, that's a win in itself. Hey, real quick, Mike, on the Giants, and then I'm going to give Jody Mack a surprise about Mike K that he'll enjoy. But um, I'd like the Giants, if you give me Ojolari a 20, and you give me Tony at 50, I like it. Yeah. So, but you know how pedigree works in this league, and Tony will always be a first-round pick, and I think it'll be a disappointment. Now, real quick, I want to shift. Guess what Mike K likes, Jody McDonald? Yes, he's a pro wrestling fan. Yeah. And, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I like wrestling too. Yeah. Well, Jody didn't know. Not a surprise to us. I did not. Um. 
uh, Mike also worked in Jacksonville, so he worked with Tony Khan, who runs AEW Wrestling. I do want to shift this to football. People get mad. I'd like to talk about wrestling. Oh, I want to get back to AEW. Wait, wait, yeah. wait, wait. I just watched on, on demand Awful the show product. last night. The blood and guts match? Man, that was good. Have you see? had a chance to see that yet? It was yes, awful. It God, was well, what are you talking awful. about? There was blood everywhere. It was You don't terrible. like MJF standing on top of the cage? It having pushed uh, him off? Oh, that was great. Tony I'm, Khan will not I'm, respond to my messages anymore because I criticize his wrestling program. Well, well you know, it's like not me. I love the show. Uh, I'm appropriately placed in the middle of you two guys for this discussion because that's kind of where I'm at. I think the the you know we talk about booking. The the whole point of this match was to elevate MJF. That happened, yeah. right? Uh, don't love the finish. Don't think it really. It made the. We always like. I always talk about this with my my friends. You know, when, when we're talking wrestling, and John and I have talked about this too, making a, a face or a good guy look stupid is like a cardinal sin, and that's yeah. exactly what they did. Um, you know, giving up that match, not thinking that MJF is just going to push him off anyway into like a pile of padding and yeah, that, guys, that wasn't that wasn't it, great. And, and they had said the concrete your stage, concrete. What are you talking about, concrete? Yeah. That was my one knock on My that. biggest thing is Tony should know better. You can't put blood on television in today's environment and get advertisers and get sponsors. It, it It's a bigger thing for me. But also, there's so many missed spots. Yes, it's spectacular, but these guys are risking life and limb for these stupid spots. It doesn't mean anything. He's got a free bird slam of the cage in the same match as a Mick Foley bump off the top. Why are you using all this at once? It was that is my criticism. Well, okay, great. so here's what I'll say. Here, here's the biggest indictment of this. Not only do the faces come off stupid, I don't care about anyone else in this match but MJF. I don't. I or Jericho. Yeah. Well, why would what, you? What did, what did this do to everybody else? You have a group match only to exclude the group from like any real importance. Like frankly, if somebody's going to take that bump, it should have been Sammy Guevara because you're going to push him to be the biggest face. I was going to say, don't you think he elevated? Well, Look what he did he, in the early stages of the early match. Stages. Yeah, and then but then it got bad. Then it got bad later. Yeah, it got bad thereafter. Yeah. I remember the first 10 minutes yeah, of the match. Apart. Well, I thought he came off great. I was John and I were texting. I, I was like, uh -huh. Sammy Guevara's going to be a huge star. Yes. Yeah. For 40 minutes, I forgot he existed. From Tremendous talent. But also, there's a reason DX is DX, NWO is NWO, Freebirds are the Freebirds. They were unique. I don't need 75 groups that I can't keep together. Yeah, I, I think that's an issue. Yes. I yeah. mean, look, you see it happening, and it's not solely to them. You look at it in NXT. There's a reason why Vince doesn't like factions, because once you have more than two – you're evening the playing field. Um, yeah. Faction yeah. should be used, in my opinion, nowadays to get over smaller talent. Like you look at the, the best faction right now is the, un well, was the Undisputed Era because those are four small guys who would not make it on the main roster or who would stand out as small guys uh, anywhere else. And the four of them turned into badasses, right? So like, yeah. like you look at, it, it, I think there was, I think the last takeover like six main guys were announced as 
205 or under. Well, guess what? There's a whole show called 205 Live where it's just cruiserweights that nobody cares about. Yeah. The difference is, you know, four guys came together and elevated. The difference is Tommaso Ciampa and and Johnny Gargano uh, found magic in a bottle. Like, that's the type of stuff we're talking about. I don't think Jericho's elevated any of these guys but Guevara. Like, Jake Hager, I don't care about. No. I, I think no. it, I actually think the 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 factions held um uh what what's their faces um pride and prejudice or whatever pride, the, yeah I can't give yeah. it straight anyway that's the yeah. point I mean I think I don't know what what have they accomplished that's a problem people. all right Mike real quick give me a minute on Tony Khan as a football executive so I can get out of this and not get in trouble for talking pro wrestling sure. <laughs> um yeah so. Interesting with the Tebow stuff, right? Let's talk about that. Right? Yeah. Uh, and, and we'll get out of here. So, look, I get it. You want all the publicity possible during the draft. But, okay, so you've worked out Tim Tebow. You, you're thinking about wanting to add him. Uh, Tony's talked about it. Urban Meyer's talked about it. It's been a week since it's been reported. Yeah, uh, I, I don't think he's got couple, other offers, yeah. Yeah, probably a couple of weeks since. Uh, he's a 33-year-old man who has not played in the NFL since 2012, I believe, or 2013. Oh, and by the way, he's switching positions. If they are interested, why not just sign him? What's they? Did, oh, by the way, they didn't draft anybody early at tight end. Um, and frankly, if Zacherts was traded there, I don't know if he's still playing in the NFL <laughs> after he's <laughs> traded there. So, um, I, whatever. I don't know. That franchise has made some difficult decisions. And by yeah. difficult, I mean difficult to process. Uh, the ATN pick when they have James Robinson, who had an incredible rookie year as an undrafted free agent, and then say that they're going to move him around and use him in different spots when they just drafted LaVisca Chenault. I know it was a previous regime, but that dude's got tons of upside. Okay, cool, whatever. All right. Thanks, two, things, two things that don't go together. Yeah. wrestling and football i know they've been trying to do the crossover thing for decades but you need to keep it oh, separate. it works at times lawrence taylor wrestlemania that worked well it uh, works at times after the fact when the player's career is over um and tony khan is is great at what he does but this is a a mistake that he's going down he's trying to get tim tebow over root uh, i think that's absolutely wrong but just a quick jody mac prediction for you for 2023 the return of the shield for you two non-faction guys, the greatest reunification in the history of wrestling, the return of the shield in 2023. I'm just saying, I don't agree with that. Dean Ambrose, Mike used this term. He's a different cat, man. He's not interested. John Moxley. He's a different cat. He's not. hasn't really been extremely elevated by being on AEW. That, that different cat will be back with his shield brethren in 2023. Remember where you heard it here, friend. Right. Michael K, a pleasure, buddy. Thanks for hopping on. Thanks, Thanks for having me, guys. Michael K, here with us on Birds 365. All right. Quickie timeout. We come back. What are we going to do? No, uh, we don't have to go to the break. We got to wrap it up, Jody. We're not going to do a break? No. We got to put a bow on the show right you here, right now. We got to put a bow on the show. All right, fair enough. Good show, good week. Don't forget next week, midweek, Wednesday, the official scheduling day. We will have live coverage all night long here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. And we're giving away not one, not two, 10 
Devonta Smith jerseys and tickets to the Eagles home opener. You've got to be with us that night. You're going to be on the YouTube channel. Hit us with your likes. Hit us with your shares. Hit us with your tweets. Give yourself more chance to win those tickets. That's next Wednesday. But Mac and I will be back on Monday here on Birds 365. Johnny Mac, have a good weekend. You too, bud. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.